want to be part of that Holy Ghost mosh pit. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, guys, good to see you today. Um, for those of you I don't know yet, my name's Rollin. I'm the uh, lead pastor here, and it's a privilege to uh, be with you. I just want to give a little uh, shout out uh, to my wife and son. They are actually doing virtual church today as they're on a 26-mile run around the city. <laughs> and so they, uh, you know, if you, uh, hey, guys. So we are, <laughs> you're helping them pass their time as we worship the Lord together. And um, thank you also for um, those of you who also um, contributed. Um, my son Emmett was uh, raising um, funds for the Epilepsy Foundation, which we know is uh, near and dear um, to our history and heart. And he raised well over how much they were, their goal was. And so thank you so much for that. And um, may God use that to help many, 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 many families in need. So God bless you. So today, what we're doing is we are, we made, I'm just saying, I'm happy we made it, right? How many of you got up like way earlier than you usually do just to be here today? Okay, I did. You know, and I was sort of like, listen, man, I am going to make sure that we do not have to run through the crowd today. Usually in years past, um, my sweet girl Iris, because we live right at the precipice of uh, the route, I had to carry my sweet girl Iris and Dot, Bob and Weave you know, <laughs> through the crowd, and I was, I was concerned that I was going to end somebody's career. And so, you know, so this, she, she's gotten almost as tall as me now, and so we can't do that anymore, so we made sure to get here early enough. And so it is good to, let me commend all of you, for uh, making your way here to worship God today. So today what we're doing is we're actually uh, continuing our series, which is actually called The Good News According to Luke. The Good News According to Luke. And we had a break in that series last week with our very own Pastor Reggie Roberson, and we hope that you are encouraged by that message. Can we get a little, right? All right, so it was a great message. If you did not um, have an opportunity to listen to it yet, you can go back on the website and hear it there. It will provide a lift to your soul. And so today, I think it's actually just God's sovereignty that we would actually be in Luke chapter 10 today. Because as Pastor Reggie was talking last week about not sleeping during the harvest, it, in Luke chapter 10, it literally talks about how Jesus taught his people to enter into that harvest. Isn't that good news, <laughs> right? So he talked, he spoke a word. He didn't, you know, we didn't even talk about prior to him praying and, you know, sharing what he was going to deliver to our church, what he was going to talk about, but it just, in God's sovereignty, ends right here, <laughs> right? Because we serve a sovereign God. So with that in mind, if you want to open today to Luke chapter 10, um, we're going to focus on this statement today. And it's going to cover um, sort of uh, messages, I'm, I'm sorry, not messages, but stories in the scripture that you're probably familiar with. Um, but we're going to give you perspectives on them of how to live them out in your everyday life as we go forward with the message today. So our focus today is this, that Jesus calls us to share his good news as we do good deeds fueled by the overflow from our relationship with him. Jesus calls us to share good news as we do good deeds as we're overflowing in our relationship with him. And we're going to break the message today into these three parts. We're going to talk about, first, the good calling. We're going to talk, secondly, about the good Samaritan, with whom you're probably familiar. And then, finally, we're going to talk about the good portion. Because I think a lot of times when we are living our Christian lives, we're often accelerating in one of those three areas, but often are challenged to do them all at the same time, right? Many people think that it's all about sharing the good news of Jesus, which how many people know that sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world that so desperately needs it, is a priority to God. 
okay? But then we often forget that it's also not just about the good news that we're preaching, but doing the good deeds that actually verify that good news, right? And that's what the Good Samaritan talks about, and it's not one or the other. But in the midst of trying to do that, how many people know that often we forget about the good portion, where our fuel is actually coming from, where our fuel is actually coming from to sustain us in actually walking with God all our days. So if you uh, are starting off being anxious or excited about doing good deeds, let, let me tell you, please wait till the end because we're going to root you in the source, okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us that we might know you, love you, and walk with you in a holistic way. That, God, it's not just about preaching this good news, though it's a priority. It's not just about doing good deeds, though they're important. But, God, you've said that we should spring from the, have a wellspring of life from which we pull day after day after day, which is rooted and grounded in our relationship with you. So, God, may we have the good portion, which fuels it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's open our Bibles today to Luke chapter 10. We're going to start, number one, talking about the good calling. And what we're going to talk about in the good calling is that Jesus calls those who follow him to bring the good news of the kingdom to those who surround them. This good news of the kingdom is meant to be brought by followers of Jesus to those who surround them. And we see that in Luke chapter 10. Let's read together. It says, and starting in verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. And I'm just going to make comments along the way. Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to be your own personal commentary today, okay? It's sort of like he appointed 72 others. They weren't James, John. They weren't Peter. They were not Andrew. They were not Simon or Bartholomew, right? They were not the 12 apostles, but they were the 72 others, the nameless, faceless people in Scripture who God was referring to who were going to set examples for all the believers who would follow them, and that is an encouragement to you and I. If you've ever felt like you wanted to actually walk with God in a serious way and actually serve him in a serious way, but felt like you diminished your role in the kingdom because you weren't one of the 12 or you weren't one who was specifically named in scripture, here is the good news. Here's the good news. You could be like the 72 others. I just want to be part of the 72 others, right? Right? This isn't Jesus Christ Superstar. I always wanted to be an apostle <laughs> and to find my name written in one of the... God Nobody knows that? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. It's one of the songs. Okay. All right. So we, put, we find ourselves as one of the 72 others. And it said that Jesus sent out 72 others and did what? And sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And that's good news because we can see that Jesus sends us into people's lives being actually as a precursor to what he wants to do in their lives. Isn't that interesting, that Jesus could have shown up all by himself and done his sign wonders, signs, wonders, and miracles, but he sent people ahead of him to prepare his way. So whenever Jesus intends to show up in somebody's life, he sends us ahead of him to prepare the way for what he's about to do. Good news. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. Everybody say Plentiful. The harvest, meaning that which God wants to reap, that which the people that God wants to bring to himself, and in fact is moving on their hearts and minds to in fact bring to himself. He says the harvest is plentiful, 
And joining God in his work is often about coming into agreement with God and not necessarily what we see with our own eyes or what we feel with our own emotions. Isn't that right? I choose to believe the report of the Lord day after day after day. We're in the midst of Chicago's atmosphere and environment, whether it be social, political, moral, or otherwise. I believe that what Jesus said is true. That in the city of Chicago, in our nation, and in the nations, the harvest is plentiful. How many of you could say amen to that? The harvest is plentiful, but he says the laborers are few. So what are we supposed to do about it? He says, therefore, pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. Don't just throw up haphazard prayers when I get around to it or I think about it. Jesus is saying, make this a priority. Pray earnestly, earnestly with fervor, putting it at the top of your list. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is ultimately saying, I've come to seek and to save the lost, so I'm telling you the first place that you're going to join me and joining me in what I do is by praying earnestly that laborers go out into the harvest field. Was that, has anyone ever prayed that prayer to God before, saying, God, I'm asking you to raise up men and women of faith who will take this good news of the kingdom to every highway and byway, every nation of the earth, and then you found that God turned the tables and tapped you and said, you go first. <laughs> Anybody ever find that happen to them before? Okay, we'll keep praying. <laughs> okay, because he shall. He says, listen, send laborers into your harvest field, and when you go, this is how you should go. He said, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house, right? We're not coming to combat people. We're not coming to argue with people. He says, bring peace. You're a bringer of peace, right? If you're going and inviting people into the good news of Jesus, he says, first say, the first thing you need to do is say, first, peace to this house. Peace to this house. I come to give you the peace of God and introduce you to the Prince of Peace. And if your peace, right, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. If not, it will return to you. Has anyone ever tried to communicate this good news to somebody before and they weren't interested? <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> okay, if anyone has ever tried to share this good news, you will bump up against somebody who's not interested. Guess what I was back in my day? My mom's in the crowd today. She'll testify. I was not interested. I wanted to roll over on a Sunday morning. I wanted to do what I was doing, live the way I was living. And when somebody came to me with the good news, I was like, pass. Walk on by. Don't stop. Walk on by. Right? And this is what he's saying. Don't take offense to it. Understand this part of it. And matter of fact, don't be alarmed if your peace isn't resting on them. If they're not taking it, it'll return to you. But if not, it will return to you and remain in that house if they receive it, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer it deserves his wages. But then he says, if somebody actually opens up their life to you, do not go around from house to house. Don't go around from house to house. Guess what God's not interested in? He's not interested in drive-by evangelism. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Come on, we're in Chicago. We know what the drive-by is. Listen, the thing is, he's not interested in people just throwing tracks at somebody and saying, I've done my duty. I don't care how you respond. As long as I've done my job, then it doesn't matter what the people respond with. God says, when I open a door into somebody's life, don't move around from house to house. See it through. Work with them. Encourage them. Take them around those growth tracks. Take them through that one-to-one. Get them established in the word of God and see them respond to the living God. And he says, do not go around from house to house. But what are you supposed to do when you're there? When they open up that house to you, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to you, our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. So what is he saying to do when somebody opens their life to you? Number one, heal the sick. Part of why we believe in the power of God is because the power of God testifies to the resurrected Christ. And he says, there are people broken and in need. And when you go to them, whether in your workplace, neighborhood, family, or friendship group, come bring some healing with the good news of Jesus. But when they are healed, proclaim the good news to them. Proclaim the source from which it comes. But when they don't receive it, let me say this. Go into their streets and say, even the dust that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. What does that mean for us in our relativistic generation? We're in a generation that says basically, it might, whatever truth you hold, it might be true for you, but not for me. It's all about people finding their own way or their own truth. But did Jesus subscribe to such a thought? He said, no, truth is truth. Truth is truth no matter whether or not people receive it or not. And what Jesus was saying is ultimately every man, every woman, and every child will face him one day in the judgment. And he says very clearly that every tongue shall confess and every knee will bow proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. They're either going to do it on this side of heaven or they're going to have to do it in the judgment. But one way or another, they will confess that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Lord. And so when people don't receive it, what he's saying to do is say, hey, listen, I'm telling you, be sure of this. Whether you choose to receive it now or not, the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying, be sure of this. You might be rejecting it in the moment, but it's still coming. It's almost like the hurricane that just came to the Caribbean and to Florida, right? If people did not take heed of the warnings that were coming, it did not stop the hurricane from coming. And in the same way, Jesus is saying to his people who are testifying to the good news, take your stand and let people know. You are sounding the alarm that people actually might be saved. Now, what happened when they were actually going out and doing this? It said that they went out doing what Jesus said, and they came back with a good report. They said, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. 
So Jesus sent them out in his authority to heal the sick, bring peace, and bring the good news. And what happened when they went out? They said, even demons submit to us in, our, in your name. Isn't that exciting, Jesus? Right? Isn't that good news? People were like manifesting, you know? And all of a sudden, they were like, you're like, shut up, get out, <laughs> in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, hey, listen, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you in my name, but rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Make sure you have the right focus. Make sure you have the right level of importance on where God's placing importance. It's about your name being written in the Lamb's book of life because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's also about those who you're bringing the good news to having their names written in there as well. So for all of the spiritual encounters that people have and all the things that they get to enjoy as they follow God, he said, don't forget that. But here's the posture that he said we need to walk in. He said this ultimately. He said, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And in that same hour, he replied in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have given these things, from, um, hidden these things, rather, from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your gracious will. And this is what we cannot forget if we're going to walk with God, that to walk in the things of God, in the power of God, the grace of God, and the gospel of God, you've got to remain like a child. You've got to remain like a child, having faith like a child to see miracles. You've got to have faith like a child to see deliverance. You've got to have faith like a child to go out day after day and actually think that this gospel is worth your time, your effort, your resources, and your life. Because a child ultimately is coming into agreement with what their parent says is right about the world. If I, my dad said that the sky was blue, baby, it was blue. If he had said that it was red, then it was going to be red that day, right? Because a child is learning what is right and true from their parent. And ultimately, he's inviting us into this good call by having faith like a child. The question is, when's the last time in all of your great learning, in all of your great experience, that you've related to God as a child? Not as a well-learned academic, but like a child who is following your father into its harvest field to do his will. When you do, you'll have the attitude of the Good Samaritan, knowing that it's not just about the good calling, but it's also, secondly, about the Good Samaritan. And Jesus wants us to be on the lookout for ways to do good to others so that as we go about our business, we might see his kingdom come as we go about our business. As we go about our business. You remember the story. It said, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him, meaning Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, meaning Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Not hard, right? <laughs> Simple. Love him with everything you've got. Period. <laughs> now, who can do that? 
Not a trick question. The answer is no one. No one in and of themselves. That's why we need the cross. That's why we need Jesus who ultimately fulfilled it perfectly for us, right? So no one can ultimately justify themselves before God by ultimately loving him or living or having a record where they've loved him perfectly, right? But that does not mean, according to Jesus, that we get to excuse ourselves. Because a lot of times in this whole grace message, people say, well, because it depends on the grace of God, it excuses me from any personal responsibility. Isn't that the truth? Because it all, the, all together depends on what Jesus has done for me, it doesn't ultimately matter what I do for him. Jesus said that's not true. And Jesus said, and he said to him, meaning the, uh, the guy who was asking him the question, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, meaning the guy who asked Jesus the question, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? How often do we look to justify ourselves? God, I've done this and don't need to do any more. Anybody ever been there before? God, I've prayed a little bit. I've given a little bit. I've shown up at church, right? I've done the bare minimum, and I've checked it off my box. Anybody have an internal box that you have in, inside of you? Anybody live by checklists like me? I live by checklists, and sometimes that internal box makes me want to think that I'm I want to justify myself giving God at least an offering, right? At least an offering when God says, I want it all. I want it all. I've given you my all, and I want all from you. But the question is, how do we do that when I'm working a job? How do I do that when I'm married? How do I do that when I've got kids? And my kids are having kids. Not mine. But, like, listen, <laughs> but, but my kids are having kids. Maybe some of yours. Okay? How do I do that? How do I do that? Well, he says, be on the lookout for doing good as you go. Everybody say that with me. As you go. Don't justify yourself, but do it as you go. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And let me say something about this. Let me, let me just say this before I forget. I'm going to forget otherwise. Listen, uh, this scripture oftentimes is about the people doing something to serve others like the Good Samaritan, Right? That's often the interpretation that we have. But I felt strongly the Holy Spirit also saying, let me tell you something. Sometimes you're that man who's gotten stripped and beaten and robbed. And you're the man or the woman on the side of the road, desperate for help, saying, who will notice me? And God says, I notice you. I see you. And even if my people will overlook you, I won't. And I'll make sure to send somebody your way to come to your aid, to come to your need, and provide exactly what you need in the hour of need. But if you're not robbed and beaten and stripped, he says, what are we supposed to do? He said, now by chance, a priest was going down that road, a priest who was supposed to represent God. And are we not a holy priesthood? Right? a royal priesthood, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, what was a Levite? They weren't the ones offering the sacrifices, but they were the ones helping at the temple, right? So a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, when he saw him, did it say when the heavens parted? Did it say when he got a prophetic word? Did it say when he got some sort of encounter, some sort of manifestation of a burning bush? No, it said when he what? When he just saw him with his own eyes. When he saw him with his own eyes, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So I want to see this thing through, baby. <laughs> I want to actually see that this, is, this man who's getting help in a moment actually comes all the way to health. You see that? Jesus building on, on top of that message of don't move around from house to house. That man had a job. He had business that he had to attend to. He said, I'm going to help you when I can. I'm going to go about my business, but then I'm coming right back. I'm coming right back. Why? Because God is intent on seeing health come to your soul, come to your body. And he says, we should do ultimately likewise. So what is the point of the good, not just the good calling, but the good Samaritan? That we don't need to be so focused on our own agendas that we literally avoid the will of God in our lives. Has anybody had a plan for your life? Goals? Anybody goal-oriented in here? <laughs> okay. Everybody's got ambition, right? But so did the Levite and the priest. They're like, I'm on my way somewhere. I'm on my way somewhere. So was the Samaritan, though, but he said, I'm not going to avoid the will of God for my life that was literally directly in front of me. And Mother Teresa said this. I'm sorry, it's not in the notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. He said, listen, it's on the website, though. It'll be on the web. Okay, she said this. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. That's what the Samaritan, good Samaritan did. People are trying to figure out the will of God all the time, right? And they're talking about going overseas one day. They're talking about way off one day, talking to people that they have not met and do not know, all the while avoiding the will of God right in front of them. Why? Because the will of God starts with the person right next to you, the man or the woman you pass every day on the street. The man or the woman who's your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, who right now might not be serving God, but God's put you in their life to prepare his way. And we need to remember the old saying, if you see the need, do what? Thank you. Fill it. Otherwise known as take the lead. If you see the need, Take the lead. Stop making God's will so complicated. If he see a need, then fill the need. That is the will of God. And we need to do what the Samaritan did in three parts. Number one, the good Samaritan saw the man in need. He just saw it. He said, there is a need that needs to be filled right here. And so my good call is to not only preach good news, but to meet the need right in front of me. Number two, the good Samaritan did something about the need requiring no word from God to do what God said was good. You hear that? 
If you already know what God said was good, you don't need another word. You don't need another word. I love it. I've, saw, I've saw, shared before about my father who often sent me out into the field to rake that yard. It's fall time. I'm reminded about it every year. We had pine cones. We had pine straw. We had leaves. And I went out into that yard singing my Negro spirituals. <laughs> you know? Wait in the water. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water. God is going to trouble the water. And then he would come out. He said, are you done? I said, no, sir. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'd get tired. I'd get hungry. And we had a sliding glass door. And I'd go up to the door. And I'd knock on that door. And my father would open that door. Slide it open. I say, Dad, can I be done? And he'd look out in the field. And he says, is the raking done? I said, not yet. <laughs> he would just slide it back close. And I went back to my raking. Right? Because he was teaching me the lesson, don't ask me to do something else until you've done what I already said to do. Same with God. You don't need another word. I already told you what's good. Go out and do it. And then number three, after helping the man in need, the good Samaritan continued in what he was doing before he met the man in need. You see that? He went about his business. He continued in his business. And the good Samaritan realized that the man in need became part of his calling, not an interruption to it. C.S. Lewis said this, the great thing, if you can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions in one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. So there's a good call, there's the example of the good Samaritan, and then there's the good portion. Number three, the good portion. Ultimately, Jesus fuels all of the good that we'll ever do for the kingdom by learning to sit at his feet. Amen? By learning to sit at his feet. Oh, and this is, my fa this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Anybody have favorite scriptures? This is one of mine right here right here, because ultimately it's about Jesus and relating with Jesus the King. See, it doesn't matter what anyone calls a failure or a success in life. If I can have Jesus, I've got what I need. Ultimately, relating with Jesus is what the world needs, because that's where the healing, that's where the power, that's where all the grace is found. And let's end in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, you see, and I love how Luke plays things out because he's building continually on top of what Jesus is teaching. It's all a progression. The good calling, not divorced from the good deeds, 
but where are you supposed to get the fuel for that? You see that? It's all a progression here. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, 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 <laughs> right? Come on, Brady Bunch. Marsha, 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 <laughs> right? But Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, Lord, to help me. Come on, Jesus. I know you got a lot on your mind, but my sister's slacking off now. Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Does that light anybody's fire in here? That lights my fire. Anybody have expectations placed on them sometimes that just are not the Lord and you know it, but you still feel the pressure of it at work, in relationships, in life? You know what I resort to? I say the Lord told me that I can sit at his feet listening to what he said, and guess what? He'll defend me when I do it. Because I'll have nothing to offer the world if I'm not first sitting at his feet. And so many people have tried their best, even in good intentions, to go out and give their best to the world in the name of Jesus, but found themselves running dry on fumes and eventually breaking down by the side of the road. And the good king says, come back. Come back to my feet and I'll restore you. Come back to my feet and I'll heal you. Come back to my feet and I'll fill you. Why? Because if you do that, you're choosing the better portion and it will not be taken from you. Now is Jesus confused? Did this nullify all that Jesus had said in the chapter before? Did he say sitting at his feet nullifies the good call to go preach the good news? The answer is no. Did it nullify what he said to do with the Good Samaritan, doing good works to those around us? Did it nullify that? No. But what he's saying is ultimately it's to sitting at his feet, relating to God in worship, prayer, the word, fellowship, day after day, is to be the fuel for all of those things happening. Not just as a one-off, but all throughout your life. And if ever you find there's an imbalance he says, come back to the well. Come back to the well. I'll reorder you, refill you, and put you out there again. Ultimately, it's this picture. This picture is what we need to think of when we think of our life in God. That the aim of our days is to live in the overflowing waters of the Spirit of God. Do you know that's what God has for you? that you would actually live in an overflow 
and abundance. Isn't that, isn't that good news? That God wants you to live in an overflow, an abundance in him. Where his wells never run dry. He's a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps, but we do. And he says, I will recharge and refresh you so that you can live in the overflow. And that the waters that are so desperately needed in the world around you overflow out of you when you first sat at my feet. You see that? Your body's telling you something when you got that headache, right? Oftentimes it's telling you what? You need sleep or you're dehydrated. Anybody have headaches, perpetual headaches? Need to drink a little bit more? Most people live in a state of dehydration, physically as well as spiritually. And he says, fill it up. Fill her up. Fill her up. Fill her up. Fill her up to overflowing just like a gas station, right? Anybody ever leave the pump on too long? Okay, listen, and it spills over, and your car smells like gasoline? No smokers in here? Good. Okay, listen, light it up, okay? But the things it carries with you, right? I used to use the window washer to, like, wipe it off. Don't tell anybody. But, like, I used to be like, <laughs> okay. point is, <laughs> we need to be filled to overflowing so that we take the smell of Jesus with us wherever we go. That's the point of my indiscretion, okay? So that we take the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. Last scripture, and then we're done. Jesus in John 7, he was actually talking, and he said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, that was in their time, but Jesus has been glorified now. Jesus has been raised from the dead now. And since the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is available to all who believe. Not just for fumes, but for an overflowing life to answer the good call like the good Samaritan while maintaining the good portion in our lives. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word to continually keep us on track with you. Father, to keep us rooted, grounded, and growing. Father, that we'd be living in the overflow of the life of God. And God, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in here and for those especially who feel like the wells run dry. And God, I'm praying that you would draw them to a place of not only desiring it, but being able to sit at your feet once again to be filled to overflowing. That God, through our repentance and faith, that God, we would have the great joy of the Holy Spirit day after day after day and live in the life abundant that you have for us. 
And if there's anyone in here who says, you know what, God, I just, I just need a fresh filling. I just need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God that I actually might live the overflowing, abundant life. You can raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Okay? Father, you see every hand. You see every heart. And God, we pray that not just in this moment, but practically day after day after day, you would help your people to sit at your feet, to choose the better portion, Father, and to live in the life abundant that you have for them in Jesus' name. God, I pray that it would be palpable and tangible. That, God, the things that need to be healed would be healed. The, the blockages, I just see some blockages, even mentally, that are in people's hearts and minds right now because of disappointments and hurts that they've even been burnt out father thy interactions with people not outside of the house but in your church and god i pray that you would heal those things in jesus name and god wherever they are we pray not only would you heal them but teach them not just in this moment but how to day by day live in the overflow god we thank you for your grace today in jesus name everybody keep your head bowed please we're going to have communion in a moment but communion is actually a sacrament where we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes all of this available to us. But before any of us can really participate in or enter into the sacrament of communion, we need to make sure that we've met Jesus at the cross and that we've turned our lives over to him as Lord. And if there's anyone in here who says, you know what, I know that just as Jesus talked about to the 72, that I know, like everyone else, I'm going to stand before God in judgment one day, but I know that I've never submitted my life to him as Lord and Savior. But I know today I need to turn away from my sin and put my trust in what he's done for me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. We'd like to pray for you so that you can make your peace with the living God. We always like to make sure that there's anyone here. here. And it's not just for the people who are in this room, it's for anyone who's on the virtual service today. There are people who can pray with you, stand with you, and talk to you about next steps. Is there anyone at all who says, Jesus, this is my moment. I'm tired of the wells running dry, and I need to turn my life fully over to you. Well, Father, I just pray that by that same Holy Spirit, you would convict of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come, and that you would bring people in need to repentance and faith. Father, that they might not any longer try to live in their own strength, their own good deeds, their own righteousness, or any of the following. But God, we pray that they would live solely in what you've done for them. We thank you for it all, and we ask you to make people new today in Jesus' name.